Welcome to Value Added, the real estate podcast where we speak with the brightest minds in the world of real estate who provide, create, and realize value in an ever-changing market. If you're a real estate professional delivering value to your clients, an investor creating value not seen by others, or a busy professional who passively invests in real estate to grow the value of their hard-earned dollar, then you're in the right place. And now your host, Nick Walters. Hey gang, welcome to another episode of Value Added, the real estate podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. His name is Matt Weinberger. He's a real estate attorney with Mavridis, Moyal, Pacman, and Sadkin a New York City-based law firm. Matt is an associate in the firm's commercial real estate and condominium cooperative and development groups. He handles a wide variety of real estate and business matters, including representing lenders, developers, and investors in the financing, acquisition, and development of commercial and residential properties. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Matt Weinberger, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Give the listeners a little bit more about who you are and where your career is taking you up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. So I started at my current firm, which is Mavridis, Moyal, Paquin, and Sacken in May of 2013. Um, I was about a year out of law school at that point. Very green attorney. And when I first started at the firm, I was doing a lot of residential uh, bank work. You know, our firm has a heavy practice representing institutional banks, Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, TD Bank, those type of institutional lenders at closings of residential uh, transactions in in the five boroughs of Manhattan, as well as Westchester and Long Island. So I was doing a lot of work representing banks at these closings. I was really getting my feet wet as to how closing happens, who are the parties what, you know, to a transaction, how does a closing get from contract to, uh, to, to the finish line. And over time, from 2013 to now, I started to really grow my practice representing buyers, sellers, as you mentioned, on, on the residential side. And then also um, a niche area that I practice heavily in is representing developers in the formation of condominium regimes uh, in New York City. So we help developers go from buying a piece of property to submitting an offering plan to the attorney general, getting that approved by the attorney general, and then that allows a developer to sell condominium units to the public pursuant to that offering plan. So it's been a slow uh, but steady process of learning how to run a very basic transaction back in 2013 to now doing more sophisticated work and really providing uh, 360 degrees of value to uh, clients. Regarding the new development condominium market in New York City, tell me a little bit about the the challenges that these developers have with getting an offering plan accepted and approved by the state. I think one of the biggest challenges uh, is the underlying mortgage or financing that a developer has on a piece of property, whether that's debt financing or equity money. Once the developer takes out a loan with a bank, 
okay? And that could be an institutional loan or what's called a bridge loan or hard money loan that is a little bit of a higher interest rate for a short amount of time. The clock is ticking as to the developer getting those units sold. What I mean by that is when you take out that mortgage, okay, every month the developer is incurring those mortgage payments and it's effectively a race against the clock to try to get those condo units sold as quickly as possible so the developer can get out of that property and pay off that underlying loan. So the challenge with the attorney general process and the thing I always tell clients when they're starting this process, especially for the first time, is to start early. The AG, the attorney general's office, um, is a government agency. There's fantastic people and very smart people that work in, in the attorney general's office, specifically the Real Estate Finance Bureau, but they have hundreds and hundreds of plans that they are reviewing every year, or at least had been in, in the previous years. And they're just inundated with paperwork and plans and amendments to offering plans. And so the key to successfully getting a offering plan project from start to finish through the AG's office and being able to pay off that underlying loan quickly is to start early, is to get that initial submission to the of the offering plan into the AG's office as soon as possible. The second a developer acquires the property and knows that they want to condo that property and turn that property into a condominium regime, they should be starting. They should be engaging their counsel, their third party um, expediters or third-party engineers, their title companies, and get them all working together to get that initial submission to the uh, AG's office. It's key to start early. What is the timeline from when a developer hires you to when you first submit the initial submission to the attorney general? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually one that we get all the time. Every time we do an introductory call with a client, of course, the, one of the first questions they're asking is, how long will this process take? And it's sort of a, a, a complex answer because it depends on a lot of different things. One, it depends on how fast that developer can get us all the information and deliverables we need to actually submit that offering plan to the attorney general's office, right? As lawyers, we can draft the you know, the offering plan, but there's a bunch of other things that go into putting one together. We, we need information to put together the budget. We need floor plans from the developer's uh, architect. We need to put together what's called a Schedule A that lists all the offering prices. We need to know who the listing agent is. We need a utility letter to calculate what the costs are going to be for a, um, a buyer you know, what are the projected utility costs that they're going to incur? We need a tax opinion letter so we can tell prospective buyers what the potential tax liability they're going to have is when they buy uh, a unit in this condominium. So there's a lot of information we need. And what I say to clients is once you get me all the information that I need and my checklist is complete and I get that initial offering plan to the AG's office, you're probably looking at anywhere from six to nine months, sometimes five, sometimes 10, but that's the general range. And a lot will depend on how complex is the offering. If you're a four unit condo with not a lot of um, what I call amenities, right? It's just 
small elevator building, four units, there's no gym, there's no doorman, there's no storage units. Those are easier offering plans to put together. There's not as many bells and whistles. If you're talking about a 300 unit, large Manhattan skyscraper with commercial stores on the bottom, those are more complex. It might take a little longer. So, but the general time frame I give everyone, uh, at least initially, is six to nine months, give or take. Let's talk about coronavirus for a little bit. You were able yeah. to uh, to escape. Tell me a little bit about how this transition has been with you and some of the transactions that you've been able to close this last, you know, forty-five or sixty days. Yeah, speaking of, you know, going back to what we were just talking about within the condominium uh, world, I have a bunch of condominium buildings where we represent the sponsor. And prior to this, we had contracts out and we had contracts signed on a, on units in a, a few different condo buildings. And we had units that were ready to close and all parties want to close, right? There's an incentive. Again, going back to what I mentioned before, the sponsor wants to close. They want to be able to pay off their mortgage. The buyer might be in transition. Maybe they don't have a place to stay. Maybe they had uh, sold or uh, given up r their rent on another property and they needed to move in. And so I had a few uh, sponsor sales that needed to close. Now thinking back on it, I had a few that were happening like a week or two after this really ramped up. So let's call it a week or two after the mayor had closed the New York City public schools. And I, I can recall one of them, you know, we funneled everything through a title company that was located in Westchester. So attorneys uh, were signing, in some cases, signing documents on behalf of clients via power of attorney and then FedExing all those documents to the title company in Westchester. In one particular case, I actually had a client of mine, a sponsor of a, a small uh, condo building in Brooklyn, uh, sign the closing documents and drive them from uh, New Jersey, where he lives, to Westchester and drop them off at uh, the title company's office in Westchester. So people are really doing whatever it takes to get um, these closings done, especially on the residential side. And But what you're seeing is, whereas we may have been able to get something closed quickly pre-pandemic, now things are taking a little longer, right? So if you needed one or two days to ramp up to a closing, now you may need three or four days to get all the documents moved to the right location, wherever that may be. And it varies depending on, you know, is it a sponsored transaction? Is it a sale? Who's signing? Are we have, do we have powers of attorney involved on either side? Are the uh, buyer and seller actually going to sign the documents? Where are they located? Can they get to a FedEx? And then you have the notary component in there as well, because obviously if you're talking about a condominium, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to record any documents without, for example, the deed being notarized. Is this the new norm, do you think? I don't think it's the new norm, but I think there's a lot to be learned here as far as efficiency. What you're seeing, not just in real estate, but in a lot of different sectors, is that when your business is backed up against the wall and you still have to perform, right? You still have to get these closings done. 
for a variety of reasons, you have to get creative with solutions. And sometimes you have to be a little bit more efficient. And I think there are ways that we can take what we've learned during this time and apply them to when, you know, things go back to normal as people are, you know, using that phrase, although who knows what the new normal will be. But there are, there are lessons to be learned here. And hopefully when the new normal comes, we can be a little bit more efficient in how we are handling a lot of these closings because I think there's room, room for it. I want you to go through your Rolodex of transactions. Can you talk about uh, a recent transaction of, of uh, something that was fallen off the tracks and get to the closing table? Yeah, I was working on a ground lease transaction um, about three months ago. And those type of transactions, you can have a lot of attorneys involved. On a ground lease transaction, uh, you may have an attorney representing the landlord. You may have a, an attorney representing the tenant. If there are subtenants on the property, you may have attorneys representing the subtenants. Uh, you may have a bank providing some kind of financing. You may have a payoff bank. So there can be a lot of attorneys involved on this particular transaction. It really took a lot of coordination between all the attorneys to get the deal done and over the across the finish line. And I think on those type of deals, and I try to do this as much as possible across the board. Sometimes I feel like we get too pigeonholed in, in, in the email world. We start sending out emails sometimes on the, uh, difficult transactions, what really works the best is just picking up the phone, calling the other attorney and, and just saying, hey, look, what, what do we need to do here to get this over the finish line? And sometimes the voice can really make the difference as opposed to what I call being the keyboard warrior, being behind the keyboard. I think there's an element of um, personal relationship here in this business that is still so important. And a lot of times the deals that start to go haywire or start to go off the tracks, we got to get on the phone with the client, uh, with the other side, with the other attorneys involved and the third parties to bring it back home, whether that's a conference call, whether that's individual calls, but the, the voice and hashing it out on the phone every time I, I find getting back to that point as opposed to the emails back and forth really goes the extra mile. All great info. Listen, we're going to finish off this episode with the hard-hitting questions. Uh -oh. These are a, a series of questions that I ask every listener. Uh, first off, what is your why? Yeah, um, I've actually said this uh, quite a bit. This may not be a quick answer, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, but when I was younger, my father was in, uh, and he still is in the real estate space in New Jersey. Um, he's a, a works for a developer in New Jersey. He builds homes. Um, and I just didn't have like the physical math skills and engineering skills to, to get into that space. But I was always intrigued by the process of building, the process of uh, constructing. And sort of this was my angle. Uh, law was my angle to get into the real estate space. Um, you know, I, so I've always been interested in, in even since law school, prior to law school, um, so that's really the why. And then the why is I just love helping clients. I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but it really is true. Um, I like seeing people go from the beginning of a transaction um, 
even like first time home buyers, right? Where they're unsure of what's going on. You really take the time to get to know someone, get on the phone, explain the process and help walk them through that initial call all the way to closing where they, you know, get that home that they, that they hopefully have always wanted. So uh, it's a combination of always wanting to be in real estate and then trying to help people, uh, you know, realize their dreams. Besides your alarm clock, what gets you up every morning? Um, well, the gym. <laughs> I mean, we, we've had a, a relationship going back to good old days at uh, Solace, New York, which is across the gym in Manhattan. Uh, I like working out. I like being active. I've always been into sports. So that gets me out of bed. Um, and then, you know, being in the office and just, you know, interacting with uh, colleagues of mine, we have some great employees at our firm, great attorneys. Um, some of them have become great friends over the, over the years that I've been there. So uh, that also is a big driver. Unfortunately, we're all obviously working remotely now. And some of my colleagues I haven't seen in you know a couple months now, but hopefully we can get back to the office at some point in the future and, uh, you know, keep, keep grinding away. What book have you recently read that has significantly added value or impacted your life? Wow, uh, a lot. I, I try to read as much as possible. In my earlier years, I think I did it more than I do now. Shoe Dog is a good one. How to Win Friends and Influence People is a good one. In my apartment back in New York, I have a whole bookcase of books. Those two ones that I, that I like a lot. How do you like to blow off steam? The gym, <laughs> uh, working out, watching sports. My wife and I love to try different restaurants in the city. That's a, a big uh, passion of ours. But yeah, food, sports, working out, skiing, another one that I love. How do you like to pay it forward? Pay it forward. Um, that's a great one. I'm very big on this. I try to train as many young associates as I can. If they have questions, I'm always going to answer. I've consistently said this across the board. Um, I will always answer any email that comes in from whether it's a high school student, a law student, um, someone that has a question about practicing as a lawyer. Um, there's never a time where I won't answer that. And I won't say, let's get on a call. Let's talk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes about how, how it is to practice in this space, how it is to be involved in the real estate industry, how it is to be a lawyer, general tips, tricks, tricks of the trade, whatever it is. Like I will always answer and I encourage people to reach out to me because I, I'm very big on it. I think, you know, we've all gotten to the place we are in, in life um, with, some level of help from others. So it's important that we reach down the line and find the next person that's coming up. Um, I'm sure you've had it the same in your, you know, in your position, other brokers that have given you tips, tricks, tricks of the trade, brought you along to a networking event. Like it's really, really important that, especially in this time to try to impart any knowledge. We all have some level of knowledge, whether we're a junior person or senior, impart that knowledge on someone else coming up. You'll feel better about it. You'll have changed someone else's life. And then who knows, maybe that's a lasting connection that goes beyond even business. You never know. Matt, how can uh, our listeners learn a little bit more about you? 
Yeah, so um, they could check out our firm's website, which is mmps.com, Mavridis, Moyal, Pacman, and Sackin. Uh, you'll find my bio on uh, on the website. You'll also find my email address there. Shoot me an email if, if you want to get in touch. I'm happy to jump on a call at any point with anyone uh, in the space. I think during this time, we can all, you know, open our calendars a little bit and connect a little bit more. Um, so that's probably the best place to reach me. Matt Weinberger, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for adding value today. Thanks, Nick. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a rating and a review, which will help us introduce the podcast to other listeners. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which will give you access to other episodes you may have missed. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week.